Tag team wrestling, when done right, is a work of art. Unfortunately, right now, that art is starting to fade away. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestling With The Truth. I am your host, BC Hunter. A pleasure to be with you once again. The episode this week is going to focus a little bit on tag team wrestling. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, if you remember a couple of episodes back, I uh, gave high praise to uh, the tag team match on AEW Collision between FTR and uh, the Bang Bang Gang, the Bullet Club Gold. Uh, fantastic match, fantastic tag team match with a lot of old school elements. And it's really nice to see a couple of tag teams that are keeping that, that artwork of tag team wrestling alive. That's one of the reasons. And the other reason is, you know, the tag team wrestling has been in the forefront of my mind recently. Uh, and just in chatting with a couple of fellow podcasters, Ted the Hillbilly Heel from The Heel Truth, as well as uh, Taylor from Jade at Wrestling. And Taylor caused a bit of a debate amongst us all when he uh, when he had an episode on Jade at Wrestling talking about why we should get rid of tag team wrestling. And, uh, of course, us old school heads, me and Ted, uh, had to defend the honor of tag team wrestling. And... Uh, and call the uh, youngster Taylor out on it, uh, all in good fun. But uh, I think now he has actually grown in appreciation for tag team wrestling as we steered him in the right direction of what to watch and what to enjoy as far as this art form. Uh, but before I do, I want to get into uh, a letter that I received from, uh, well, it's not a letter, it's a, it's an email. I, I'd only wish that we could receive the old school handwritten letters. That'd be pretty fun. But but no, it's an email from a, from a regular listener who, uh, who have read out uh, an email from before on the air. And I want to do it once again. It's uh, from Tim Evans. And uh, Tim, really appreciate uh, sending the feedback. Always great to see. Uh, if you want to follow Tim on Instagram, he is TimEvans07 on Instagram. And I think it's something similar like that on Twitter as well. But uh, Tim just wanted to pass along some comments on the link latest episode that I just put out in regards to SummerSlam review and watching with my son. So Tim said, I loved your latest podcast and it's very relatable to me. I started watching wrestling when I was four years old. My great grandfather loved wrestling and I fell in love with wrestling very early and very deeply. Interesting that it's the grandparents that always seem to be getting folks into the wrestling. They're, they're the gateway drug to wrestling, aren't they? I was on my own in my fandom as a kid. My parents would buy the pay-per-views but had no interest in wrestling and thought it was silly and fake, and you know the rest. I didn't care. That didn't change my love for the business. I am 38 years old now, and my oldest son is 8, and he's been watching since he was 4, mainly because I still watch, and he's a huge fan just like me. I indulge in this fandom, buy him wrestling figures, and we go to shows when they're in town, and we love it. I'm on Twitter, and I see all the constant negativity being spewed on there, and most of it is just unnecessary hate and nonsense. I ignore it mostly and try to just accentuate the positives and hide the negatives, as Paul Heyman says in the Rise and Fall of ECW DVD from years ago. I watched SummerSlam like you with my son and we just enjoyed the show. He knows the ins and outs and who's who and how stuff works just like I did at his age. Was every match perfect? No. Did we expect every match to be perfect? No. We just enjoyed what was presented. He's a big Cody fan, as most kids are, and he does a pretty good L.A. Knight impression as well. <laughs> yeah. I still have a fondness of the golden era that I began watching that I still love and rewatch. It brings me back to when I was a kid and the joy wrestling brought to me then and still brings to me now. My son doesn't like the older stuff like I do, and that's totally understandable given the production values of that time and not knowing any of the characters, but he enjoys this era as I do. 
A fun way we use Twitter is I'll scroll through Twitter and every wrestler we see who we have a figure of, we'll put in our Royal Rumble match. And when we get to 30, he does the match. Of course, all my golden era guys like Hogan, Savage, and Flair get eliminated early. And he laughs and laughs. Us old school fans have been through multiple eras of wrestling, but this is our kid's golden era. My youngest son, who is seven, isn't a big fan, but he likes characters with face paint like Demon Finn Balor, Darby Allen, and Sting. John Cena and Rey Mysterio, too. I, as you, are glad to be along for the ride. Five stars, my friend. This was a much-needed listen. Really appreciate the relatable content. Well, boy, is that ever a kind review from uh, Tim, and I really appreciate you passing that along, Tim, and I really appreciate you being a regular listener to the show and I'm glad that this content is relatable. Um, that's what I'm trying to go for here, not just to be controversial or to, to say crazy things and, com- and just complain all the time. It's about just being relatable. I, w- I want to relate to fellow wrestling fans that just watch it for the love of the product and not to pick apart everything that's going on. Welcome to Bruins Fastcast. I'm your host, Steve McEachern. My podcast is a quick recap of the weekly Boston Bruins news, including stats, results, and opinions with occasional features. I'm not a hockey expert. I'm just a huge fan of the Boston Bruins. And hey, it's only five to ten minutes an episode, so why not give us a listen? Bruins Fastcast, weekly on the Anchor app and Spotify. So that's why today I wanted to just talk about tag team wrestling. As I mentioned, that match between FTR and uh, Bullet Club Gold was great. It was, it was a real fun watch, and it was 60 minutes that just actually flew by while you were watching that, uh, that episode of uh, Collision. And it just reminded me of, of a pastime, and for a fan that grew up watching wrestling in the 80s, we're talking about a time when really tag team wrestling was at a premium, and we were getting treated to some of the greatest wrestling matches and some of the greatest tag teams of all time coming through i know there's been different eras when you had the 70s and 60s when you had some tag team wrestling and in the 90s as well but really it felt like that 80s time period for tag team wrestling was the golden period of uh of tag team wrestling and it was a time when it was respected it was main eventing a lot of shows a lot of host shows um you had teams that were tag team matches that were selling out arenas on their own just as much as any main event uh, singles match that you had especially in territories like the nwa Tag team wrestling was just a phenomenal draw at that time. So this isn't going to be a a top 10 favorite tag teams type of episode. But what I want to just talk about is appreciation for tag team wrestling and the art of tag team wrestling. I know a lot of people have certain conceptions about tag team wrestling. Maybe they find it boring or that's just not as cool as the single matches. Or on the other side of it, a lot of people have an idea that what we're watching today is true tag team wrestling and really... It's not. Tag team wrestling is a real specialized type of wrestling. It's one where you have two teams, four men involved, or four men women in, in some cases, but four men involved that are working and functioning as one unit. And the whole goal in order to draw the heat in the match is for the, the heel tag team to cut off that that um, that baby face that's in the ring and keep them in their opposing corner and they're imposing half the ring and away from that tag to their tag team partner that's going to come to the rescue and fire up and, and bring the crowd back to their feet. This is something that we don't see done as well nowadays. It's not the crap on, on modern wrestling. It's more so that 
I just don't think there's quite the same understanding or appreciation or effort put into the tag team match. You just see cold tags all the time where one baby face is, is being beaten a little bit and then they get the advantage and they basically, they've done their own hot comeback and then they make a tag through their tag team partner. So they, you, you lose that, that eruption of joy from the fans when they finally see the, the guy get rescued. And that's, that's an, art to it that's the whole point of you're building up these matches you're building up the intensity in the, these matches you're building up hope spots in these matches you'll you if you go watch any of these 80s tag team matches you'll see it's a general pattern what happens you see a a start where it's a stalemate between both teams they exchange a few moves back and forth but nobody really gets the upper hand then you'll see the the babyface team. They'll get the, the upper hand and, and pull off a, a few high spots, a few drop kicks, a few double drop kicks, uh, arm drags. Uh, they've got the heel team rocked and back on their back on their heels. Sorry, <laughs> sorry for the pun there, but you know they're, they're back in their corner. They're discussing what the heck's going on. How do we how do we get the advantage against this team? The fans are into it. They're loving it. They're seeing their heroes get the advantage on that dastardly tag team. And then finally, by some measure, usually. Usually it's the referee gets distracted, the baby face gets thrown into the ropes, and the he, the heel tag team partner either does a quick knee to the back or they pull that top rope down, and uh, and they get the advantage because the, the baby face gets hurt. And then after that, you get a, a long sequence of the heel tag team just absolutely brutalizing that baby face and cutting them off from getting their tag team partner. And throughout that that time period, usually anywhere from, depending on how long the match is, you get three to five minutes, sometimes even longer than that if, if it's a main event where they're given a lot of time to work. But you'll see these many opportunities where the babyface seems to be just so close to getting a tag, and then they get cut off by that heel tag team. They get dragged back into the opposing corner. And the fans are just coming to their seats. They, they're waiting. They're waiting to, to see that tag and then, oh, they're brought back down and the heels get the advantage again. And it really works well when you get a babyface uh, wrestler that's really good at selling. And I think of guys like Ricky Morton or Ricky Steamboat back in his tag team days that could just sell like no tomorrow. They made their opponents look so good. They looked like they're in agony. They looked like they were getting tortured. And uh, the fans were with them. They were just they were just suffering with them, and they just wanted Ricky to get that tag to Robert, get rescued in that that point. And uh, it just came so close, so many times. You'd have this happen two or three times, and each time the fans are getting frustrated. And then you get that that actual time when he finally makes it, but just in the nick of the time, the heel happens. The other heel happens to come in the ring, distract the referee. The fans visibly saw the tag, but the referee didn't, so he gets dragged back into the opposing corner and back at it, and it just goes on until finally, finally, with a last gas, so, you know, as they say in, in old school wrestling, the heel slips on a banana peel, misses a move, the baby face gets the, gets start crawling to the, uh, to the corner, and finally, just as that heel's about to make it, he makes that tag, the place erupts. The place explodes. The tag team partner comes in, clears house. Finally, the baby, the other baby face has been beat on for most of the match. He ends up coming to his senses a little bit. They both work, uh, both heels over until they hit that finisher and they go home with the win and the fans go home happy. To me, there's nothing better. It's just such, it's such magic and it's such artwork to see a really well done tag team match. Now think to yourself, when thinking of modern wrestling, 
When's the last time you saw that happen beside what we talk about in the, uh, in the FTR Bullet Club match? When's the last time when you truly saw that happen, that pattern happen? You might have saw a little bit of that, a little bit, but you don't see that hot tag where, where the place erupts, the place explodes. You don't see the just the agony in the face of the baby face that's getting hurt because nobody nobody wants to sell anymore to, and, and give to their opponent and look bad in order to make their opponent look good. And I don't understand this because the whole point of doing that is so that when you finally beat that opponent, you've beat somebody that matters. <laughs> I mean, it's all well and good that you look like a beast and you're, you're you know you look like Brock Lesnar in every match and you're beating the crap out of your opponents. And then, uh, and then finally, you know, one of two things happened. So you beat the guy. Great. So what? All right. You beat the guy. You should have anyways. You should have beat him sooner the way you were dominating him in the match or you lose to that person. And now how does that look? You just lost to the person that you just beat the snot out of for the last five minutes or 10 minutes in a match. So how does that help any, but if you make your opponent look good and then you, uh, get made look good by your opponent, the win means something more when it happens. And and uh, I just, again, this is a lost art. And it's just, I don't get it anymore. I, I, I really don't. And it's, it's frustrating because it could make the product look so much better. Yeah, I could go on for ages in this. But again, it's just, it's just I don't know. I guess being a kid of the 80s and watching wrestling, my wrestling watching started in the 80s, I saw a lot of tag team wrestling. Not only that, I saw a lot of fantastic tag team wrestling and I grew a love for it because of that. One of my favorite uh, tag team or one of my favorite wrestlers to watch when I first started was the British Bulldogs, a tag team, because they were so exciting to watch. They they were something like something I'd never seen before. Uh, and then reading about teams like the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express and the Fantastics and, you know, the the um, the Minnesota Wrecking Room, all these teams uh, you know, you just grow an appreciation for it. And then when you finally get to see them, you're like, oh my God, this is so good. Like, I thought I had a good watch in WWF tag team wrestling. And then to go watch uh, Jim Crockett Promotions tag team wrestling and see what's going on there. My God, it was, it was just amazing. So I, I would suggest to you, if you're a fan, I know, I know it's tough. Sometimes it's tough going back to the 80s and watching it a bit slower or they work a hold or they work an arm or whatever but go back there and just watch the pattern of those matches and watch how the fans are are taking on a roller coaster ride and they're enjoying that roller coaster ride as well and and the way they are worked over the fans are worked over by these these teams it's just amazing watch the selling ability of somebody like a like a ricky morton and a rick steamboat or you know, um, even even Shawn, an early Shawn Michaels or Marty Jannetty when they're in the Rockers, the Midnight Rockers. I mean, some fantastic tag team matches that I would suggest go and see. Number one, watch any tag team match between the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. You can't find a bad one. I'll tell you that. And some of their best stuff was in the early days, back in the uh, 84, 85 range when they were in Mid South working together before they even got to Jim Crockett Promotions. But of course. You watch anything from Jim Crockett from promotions, it's fantastic. Watch um, watch the work of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Now, I could suggest go watch the early Minnesota Wrecking Crew of Ole and Gene Anderson, but it's the 70s, and I know I'm not going to make you guys suffer through that. <laughs> uh, even I find it slow at times from the 70s. 
But watch, you know, Oli and Arn uh, in their pre-Four uh, Horsemen days. And then, of course, in their Four Horsemen days in 86. It's just unbelievable to watch. They put on a clinic, even against, you know, enhancement talent. They'll just take apart a person's arm the entire match to the point that you're just like, please, God, end this. Because this person looks like they're going to have their arm torn off by the end of it. It's so impressive. Um, you know, watch Oli and, and, and uh, or sorry, watch Arn and Tully, of course, in their uh, in their uh, Jim Crockett promotions work, as well as in their uh, WWF work, because they brought a new style of tag team wrestling to WWF at the time. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about teams like the Road Warriors. And I, I got to say, the Road Warriors weren't a great tag team. They were a great spectacle. They were like Hulk Hogan. He didn't need to be a great wrestler. Sure, Hogan knew great wrestling moves, but he didn't need to use them. He was a spectacle all, all his own. The Road Warriors were as well. The reason I wouldn't say they were great tag team specialists, they did moves together. They were really impressive. That Doomsday Device uh, uh, finisher they have is one of the greatest finishers of all time. But they weren't a, a team that's going to sell a lot and feed for their opponents and bump for their opponents. They were a dominant team. They're like a Brock Lesnar right now where they... They have to be dominant. So as far as the actual tag team wrestling, it wasn't the same kind of match you're going to see like you see with the Midnights and Rock and Roll. But you're you're going to see an absolute spectacle. And you got to think back. When they came into the territories, we didn't have people in face paint and big muscles and spikes like that. They were just a phenomenon, and they were so cool to see. It's like uh, for fans who first got introduced to the Ultimate Warrior, how different he was at the time. So you didn't care whether they were good tag team wrestlers or good wrestlers at all. They were just cool to watch. So I won't put them down. I'll just say like in comparison to what a good tag team is, it's not the same. It's kind of like when people talk about the all-time greatest tag team matches. One of the ones that always seems to be at the top of the list is the TLC match with uh, with uh, Christian and Edge and the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys uh, from WrestleMania 17. And yes, that was a phenomenal match, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a tag team match. <laughs> it didn't go by tag team rules. It was a, a extreme rules match or a, or a no holds barred match. It was a spectacle is what it was. But there's no tag team wrestling. They weren't standing on the apron and tagging in and out and working a, a part or anything like that. So I find it kind of funny when that gets put on the top of the list. Now, granted, all three teams were great tag teams and could have great tag team matches. But truly, that was not the greatest tag team match of all time. I'll still put any match between the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express up there. Or look at the stuff that the Midnight Express did with the Fantastics, both in, uh, both in World Class and in, and in uh, and Jim Crockett promotions. Or even with the, uh, the, the Young Pistols or Wild Eyes Southern Boys, whichever you want to call them. That uh, was uh, uh, Tracy Smothers and, and Steve Armstrong. Uh, again, phenomenal matches between those teams because they were both they were tag team specialists remember if you were watching uh, the rockers back in the day that's what uh, gorilla monsoon referred to the rockers as tag team specialists because they looked like a team i just recently watched the dark side of the ring on marty Janetti. and uh, by the way shout out to a uh, local uh, independent wrestler julian young from ihw in moncton he played marty Janetti in all the vignettes that they were doing so that's pretty cool that we had some local representation for that that episode but um 
it made me think back to like even things like when the rockers would leave the ring they were so in sync with how they would exit the ring even when they did their comeback i think it was in 2005 or 2008 i can't remember when it was but when marty came back and they did one night only with uh with sean when they were exiting the ring man it was just perfect they were just perfectly timed you want to talk about a phenomenal tag team match involving the rockers go back to the awa in 1986 and watch them facing off against uh against playboy buddy rose and pretty boy doug summers now i would have been 10 or 11 at the time watching them and i could not stand (laughs) rose and summers i thought they were ridiculous and out of shape and this and that because i didn't appreciate wrestlers at that time for what they did i was just a kid uh and you know as a fan of the midnight rockers now looking back you can see how hard that rose and summers worked to put the midnight uh, rockers over and make them look like a million bucks and that's again what a tag team does or what any wrestler does they make their opponents look great so when they win it means something and i mean the tag team wars that those two teams had they had an epic steel cage match and and also you know you had some uh sensational sherry involved as well she was the manager at rose and summers but go check that out fantastic stuff watch the high flyers from the early 80s that's um Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel in in, uh, in AWA and epic feuds that they had with uh, Adrian Adonis and Jesse Ventura. Um, you know, the Brain Busters versus the Harp Foundation from SummerSlam. Uh, I think it was 89, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, another great match. Harp Foundation versus Demolition. Uh, they had a, a few matches together. And again, this is the difference between, say, a Road Warriors and everybody, they uh, accused Demolition of being a Road Warriors knockoff. And, and, they were inspired by the Road Warriors, but they certainly weren't a knockoff. Uh, they proved that they are really good wrestlers. You had uh, a tag team specialist in um, Barry Darcel, who uh, who had been part of the Russians uh, as Crusher Khrushchev, uh, another great tag team, by the way. Uh, and then uh, Bill Eady, who was the mass superstar, who was one of the most over wrestlers in Georgia Championship Wrestling in the 80s and, and just an amazing wrestler. So they weren't just two body guys that just got thrown in there to beat people up. They were two accomplished wrestlers and they knew how to sell for their opponents. And it's the match against matches against the heart foundation are a perfect example of how a big team works against, I wouldn't call the hearts a little team, but a medium sized team and how the big guys knew how to sell for them. They had some great matches. I, again, I think there was a SummerSlam match. If it was uh, SummerSlam Nani, I believe that, that they had uh, those two teams. So check that out. Uh, the British Bulldogs, of course, their work uh, in the 80s, fantastic before Dynamite has his uh, back injured. Um, you know, the fabulous Freebirds, if you want to talk about a team, it's a little bit different. Now, they were, were they the best wrestlers? No, but they were such a fluid unit. And there was three of them um, that that they just knew each other inside note and they knew how to get heat. I mean, they, <laughs> oh man, could they ever get heat uh, in Texas against the Von Erichs. So again, a different example of it. Um, I think about like teams like Harlem Heat and Doom. You want to talk about big, gigantic dudes that were rough hosts and, um, and again, similar to the Road Warriors, but could actually work. And uh, again, uh, a team like Harlem Heat where they're brothers, they knew each other inside note and they had some fantastic tag team matches. The Steiner brothers, look at their stuff in the late 80s, early 90s. Fantastic stuff. If you want to go back a little bit older, uh, go check out Rick Steamboat and Jay Youngblood from the uh, Mid-Atlantic Championship days, and that's in the you know, early to mid-80s. Their feud against Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal, 
uh, or maybe Dan Cronodal if, if Taylor's <laughs> listening to this. And that's a, if you're wondering where that came from, go over to uh, wrestling with the eighties YouTube channel and check out my, uh, my last video <laughs> talking the territories and see where Dan Cronodal came from. But yeah, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal, again, another fantastic tag team. Just uh, two guys that complimented themselves really good. And then, of course, Steamboat and Youngblood is just your consummate baby faces, much like Ricky and Robert from the Rock and Roll Express or Sean and Marty from the Rockers. Just a team that knew their job, that they were going to get beat on and pummeled during the match. But that was to gain the sympathy of the fans. So when they did get that, that final victory over the bad guys, it caused the place to explode. You know, the Hollywood Blondes, uh, Steve Austin, Brian Pillman, some fantastic work and a tag team that I wish had a, gone a bit longer because I think they would have been one of the greats of all time because it was just two guys who understood what to do. But I could, I, I could go on and on about tag teams. I think maybe, I don't know, maybe next episode I'll, I'll do my top 10 favorite tag teams or something like that. I, I think maybe I, we may, may have even done an episode like that in the past. Maybe it's time to to revive that that list because uh you know that's what we used to like doing was the, the top 10 list so maybe i'll come up with something like that or ta- top 10 tag team matches we'll see but uh you know uh, check out some of that stuff get, get an appreciation from it anything from early 90s back to the uh, the early 80s it's just the golden age of tag team wrestling and, and it really really is a lost art form and just a different way to get fans emotions involved so uh so yeah, just um, go check that stuff out and hopefully we'll see more. I know FTR, kudos to them. They are trying to keep the tag team wrestling alive. And I know we have people talk about these amazing tag teams that we have these days and like the the Young Bucks or the Usos or this or that. And yeah, it's it's there's some good stuff going on, but it's it's not true tag team stuff. It's more individualized stuff. And this isn't just the Young Bucks, the Usos too. 50 super kicks in a match does not um, really pertain to true tag team wrestling. It's, it, there's, there's such an art form to it. And I think if you go back and watch some of those old teams, and those old matches, and then compare it to today's tag team wrestling, it'll make you wish that they did a little bit more of that and concentrate on it. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see the, the artwork uh, of tag team wrestling revived. Anyways, folks, uh, I appreciate you indulging me. Uh, this wasn't a get off my lawn episode, just more so just an appreciation for uh, for an amazing portion of professional wrestling. So uh, anyways, if you want to get a hold of me again, you can. You can email me. It's uh, bchunterwtt at gmail.com if you want to send me an email. Again, Tim, thank you very much. Really appreciate you uh, passing the, your thoughts along, and I'm glad that, that you enjoyed that episode. Uh, you can find me on social media. Um, from Honestly, right now, most of my time is spent is on Instagram or Facebook. It's uh, Wrestling With The Truth on uh, Instagram and Wrestling With The 80s on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, there's BC Hunter. Then there's also Wrestling With The Truth page. And then I just this past week created a wrestling with the 80s group on facebook and i'd love for anyone that's listening out there that's not already a member come on over come on over and join the uh, conversation uh it's a little one-sided right now it seems to be only me posting on that but uh, we're we're getting some comments from people that are in that group talk about it but it's for all stuff 80s and uh i just want to have like-minded people in that group that want to chat 80 stuff and maybe some ideas for the for the the channel and stuff like that will uh you know will spur from that 
And of course on YouTube, always looking for new subscribers on there. So uh, if you want to head over to Wrestling with the 80s, if you love old school stuff and want to check it out, uh, you're going to see a very passionate channel in regards to 80s wrestling uh, over there. And of course, the Wrestling with the Truth YouTube channel. So I think that's everything as far as uh, the shout outs and the, and, the, uh, and the many different things that I've got going on. But anyways, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you go check out some of that old school tag team wrestling and uh, really enjoy it. And uh, until we speak next time, Stay safe and stay healthy.